Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind's alert, my heart's receptive, I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. If you believe that, won't you shout amen? And turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read a couple verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to work our way through this passage. And we're going to see some corresponding references and cross-references and chain references and things that connect to it. I hope you understand that the Bible is made up of 66 individual books. 1,189 chapters. That's all that I know. Dad memorized how many verses. I hadn't got there yet. But the Bible, even though it's separate books and separate verses and chapters for our purpose of gathering together and studying the Word of God, you understand the whole book is the Word of God. Amen? I want you to say this. Say, my Bible is God's Word to me. There's the connecting factor, isn't it? Some people believe that the Bible is God's Word, but they don't believe it's God's Word to them. And therein lies the problem. You know, when we do these anointed announcements, you like that? John Osteen called them the anointed announcements. Sometimes when I do these anointed announcements, why anointed? Because I want you to take notice when we're giving these announcements. Sometimes I, I have learned doing the anointed announcements that people, they're locking eyes with me. And I know their ears work. But they think what I'm saying applies to the person sitting beside them. That's called selective hearing, amen? So that's why you got to have the, the Word of God. It is anointed and it's anointed for you. And it's anointed for me. And every time you open up the Word of God, sure, you have proper context and study of the Word. And the Bible commands us to rightly divide the Word of God, to be a good student of the Word of God, to be profitable in the things of God so that we can give God glory. But every time you open up the Bible, you need to understand that there are biblical, spiritual, supernatural, eternal principles from God Almighty instructed and written to you. And how many is thankful for that? Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. If you're not there yet, I can't stall any longer. Verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Some of us know that in theory, and then the ladies, some of the ladies here know that in reality, those, those labor pains. Amen? Verse 4. It ain't a laughing matter, though. I chuckled. Verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. And we are not of the night nor of darkness. Verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, But let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Somebody say amen. What the Lord put on my heart about two weeks ago, I was talking to Dad. Oftentimes, you know, Mondays is a pastor's day off. And so even though it's our day off, we do what we normally do on Mondays, and that's work. That's just what we like to do. And so he's out about doing things, this and that, seeing what we get into. And usually Monday, by informal, it's informal. We never like sat down and said, this is going to be our debrief day. But, you know, we just hanging out, talking, and we just start talking about this and that. And uh, oftentimes we talk about the things that we see and the things going on and spiritual things. It's good to talk about spiritual things with your family. Amen. You shouldn't just talk about spiritual things and get all spiritual when you walk in church. Well, praise the Lord. I've never heard Dad talk like that. Well, you know, that's his church voice. Praise the Lord, you know, when you walk in. No, you need to be about the things of God all the time. Amen? Just be real. 
and love Jesus and talk to your family about Jesus, talk to your spouse about Jesus, talk about the Bible to your children, to your parents, your family. So we were talking, and Dad said, how could this happen? We're talking about things of backsliding and apostasy that we see that is so evident in the day that we're living, especially in our nation. How many is thankful for the truth that the pastor's been presenting the past four times he's preached, amen? Guarding our hearts against false gods. Somebody, see, that's the thing. It may not sell a million books. It may not be on the New York Times bestseller, though it may be the return of the God is. Uh, but truth is truth, amen? And, and that's what I want. I want truth. I want truth. And so we're talking about that, and he said, how could this be? And I, and I won't take credit for it. I just said it. And then when I said it, I thought, man, that's pretty good. So it must not have been something I could come up with. He said, how could this happen? I said, people are asleep. How can wickedness and ungodliness and deception not creep into a dead world that, 1 John 5, is lying in darkness? The nature of a sinner is the sin. Before you believed on Jesus, you had a sin nature. And you just did what was natural, which was sinning. And we were pretty good at it, weren't we? Yeah, I know. Yeah, we were pretty good at it. And then when we got saved, we got a new nature. That's one of the greatest things you can discover is that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Not refurbished. You know, some with, sometimes with technological devices, cell phones, tablets, you can sometimes, sometimes get a better deal if you buy a refurbished phone or tablet. What does that mean? It means it's been beat up, scratched, dent, messed up, and they fixed it up to a certain degree to where it's workable. That didn't happen to you when you got saved. You became brand new stock, right out of the box. Yeah, I mean, there's two kinds of people when you buy something that has like a screen. There's the kind of people that peel all the plastic off and go at it, or there's people like me that leave the plastic on the screen until it falls off about a year later. Anyone do that, or is that just me? I'll leave it on until it just, it's like, Lars said, why haven't you peeled off this plastic on the screen yet? I'm like, I'm letting it just sit there, because when I peel it off, it's going to be a year old with a brand new screen. You became a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. But what we're referring to and what pastor's been preaching on and what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us, and not just us, but to the people of God in this city, in this state, in this nation, is you need to have your eyes open because there's deception in the land. See, we're not, it's not, the, the message to the dead in sin is the same message you heard that got you saved. Repent, for now the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe on Jesus and be saved. But the message to the church is something we're going to see today. And the message is entitled, Four Requirements for End Time Living. Paul speaks in verse 1 under the unction of the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, there's no need that I should write you. Is anybody not caught up yet? I mean, is anyone unaware that you're living in the end times? I mean, it's pretty evident, right? If you know you're living in the last days of days, won't you say amen? Now, that don't need to make you fearful. Uh, something else that I thought, and I thought, wow, that was really good. It couldn't have been me, because that's too smart for me. And then so I posted it online, because I thought it was pretty good. It blessed me. I said, maybe it blessed someone else. And it's very simple. I said, if you're in time, doctrine, theology, eschatology, big four-letter, four-syllable word, how, eschatology, five-syllable word. Five-syllable word that we just basically means in time understanding. If you're in time understanding... If what you believe about the end times makes you so afraid you go hide out in the basement, which for me is bad news because I ain't got a basement. If, you're in, if your understanding of the end times makes you want to hide in the basement, instead of advance the kingdom of heaven, you don't have a scriptural understanding of end times. Are there many crazy things going on right now? Absolutely. Am I fearful? Not one bit. Is there nonsense and craziness deceiving the very elect? Yes. Am I one of those being deceived? By the grace of God, I will not be one, and neither will you. Are there churches compromising? Yes. Will this church compromise? Never. Never. Are there some people who've drawn back from the faith that God will have no pleasure in Hebrews 10? Yes. Will it be us? No. So though there may be things taking place and it's a very apparent the days in which we live are evil, you don't have to be fearful. Because though you may be in this world, you're not birthed of it. You've been born again. And you're in the kingdom of heaven. 
And the way you should see yourself is as a last days, end time soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ who is completely and totally capable able and anointed to bring about the will of God in your life, in your family, in this church, in this city, and shake a nation, and the devil wakes up and says, oh no, they're awake again every time your eyes open in the morning. Anything other than that's not scriptural. I'm not hiding in the closet till Jesus comes back. Amen. Now I want you to see this. 1 Thessalonians verse five, chapter 5, verse 6. We're going to look at two main verses, and I'm going to give you today four requirements for end-time living. Laura has already challenged me yesterday, said, if, you get, if you're going to say four requirements, you better get through those four requirements. Don't get to three and run out of time. So I'm a man on a mission. You ready to do it? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6, and I believe we have a slide for each point. Somebody say, wake up. Bump your neighbor and say, wake up. For some of y'all, that's a real life word for right now. You know, sometimes I minister and I'll think, I, would, I, could, I could swear so-and-so is sleeping, but they have to be praying. This is what they look like when they're praying. I think they are deep in prayer because I know they ain't sleeping. Then Laura always asks, who is sleeping today during church? I said, I'm not going to tell you that. Wake up! 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep. You know, one thing I love about the Bible, it's just very simple. When the Bible says, don't go to sleep, one, that's a command. Two, that means if God is saying, don't fall asleep, then what he's also saying is, the time and condition in which you live is prone to making people fall asleep. And if God says, don't fall asleep, it means there's an opportunity to fall asleep. Right? It's just like with parents with children. Don't touch that. That's the command. But there's still an opportunity for them to touch it. Amen? Naomi, you know, if I told Naomi, don't touch that podium, what would she do? You couldn't, you couldn't put a piece of paper between her and her finger. But she ain't touching it, right? And then she stumbles and touches it, and then... We find out what that extra padding is right there. Ooh, and then she cries. Uh-oh. Don't get mad at me. Don't fall asleep. Because the reality is some have fell asleep. Preachers in pulpits and Christians in pews have fallen, have fallen into sleep, into a deep slumber, and while they have been sleeping, the devil has come in and wreaked havoc. Jesus taught a, per- a parable. He has... Uh, kingdom parables all through the book of Matthew. It's amazing the different gospels. They're all the word of God, but each gospel has a little bit different light and understanding in the ministry of Jesus. And in the book of Matthew, what you get is kingdom of heaven theology. Dr. Miles Monroe of blessed memory, he's now in glory. He, ha- he was a master of teaching on kingdom heaven theology, of understanding of who you are in the kingdom of heaven and where your place and position is in this kingdom of heaven, which is God's authority and realm on the earth. And one of the kingdom of heaven parables that Jesus taught was when a good master went out and he went and his servants went out and planted a big old field full of wheat. They did a good job, a good day's worth of work. Then after a good day's worth of work, what do you do? You rest and you go to sleep so that you can wake up tomorrow and do it again. And it says while they were sleeping, a neighbor who hated that master came and sowed tares, weeds, Not marijuana weed, don't get excited, but tares, weeds, thistles. In fact, in the the Middle East, in the Holy Land, a particular weed that it was referring to, it looked just like wheat, but it was poisonous. Oh, it looked like the grain that you would grow to make bread. And it looked real good. It looked just like the wheat you wanted to grow. But if you harvest it, ground it up into flour, and then baked bread with it, it was poisonous. I hope you understand, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it warns us and it tells us this, that Satan is an angel of light. If Satan showed up like cartoons make him out to be, a red guy with horns and a long tail and a pitchfork, nobody would fall for his deceptions. If Satan show, you know, knocked on your door, 
Hey there, how you doing? I just want to introduce myself. I'm new to the neighborhood. My name's Satan, Beelzebub, Lucifer. You can call me any of those things. You know, that old slew serpent, that, the devil. And I'm here to destroy your life, your marriage, send your children to hell, and make sure you live in anxiety and depression and curse your body with sickness. That sound all right? I'll be beside, you know, the house beside you. Just let me know if you need any of my services. No one's going to fall for it. But deception... It looks like the wheat, but it's poisonous. So how do you know? How do you know what's real and what's true? The Word of God. And you make sure you're wide awake. Jesus taught another kingdom parable. He said this, If you know when a thief is coming, the master of the house won't go to sleep. You know, if a burglar calls up your house phone or your cell phone and says, Hey there, I'm planning on just running, you know, the Wet Bandits from the Home Alone. Anyone watch that movie? Of course you've watched it. It's a classic, Home Alone's. The Wet Bandits call up. Hey, yeah, we're going to come by and steal everything you own while you're sleeping tonight around 2.42 a.m. Just want to let you know, give you a heads up. I'm a thief, but I'm not a liar. I'd hate to, you know, not tell you the truth. What would you do? Well, I'd set an alarm at 2.40, get up, put my slippers on, put my robe on, grab my Winchester pump action 12-gauge, Hope that doesn't offend anyone, but that's what I'd grab. Walk down the hallway, 241, glass of water, get rehydrated. And then if he told me, you know, I'm going to be coming through the back door of the garage, at 242, I would sit at the garage door and point because you don't aim shotguns. That's why shotguns are great self-defense weapons. You don't aim, you point. General direction. Point it at the door, and when he opens the door, hey, how you doing? You plan on staying for a while, a real long while, or you plan on leaving? And he probably would run faster than Usain Bolt at the Olympics. The point is, if you know when the thief's coming, you don't go to sleep. Now is not the time to sleep. Right now, the time and season that you're living in is not the time to go to sleep. If you fall asleep now, you'll lose it all. Turn with me to Isaiah 29, verse 10. Isaiah 29, verse 10. The prophet Isaiah is speaking to Israel. And there is an immediate direct context concerning the word that he's speaking to Israel. But there's also biblical principle that we can see here. Because the Bible tells us several times, Acts chapter 10, Romans chapter 2, that God's not a respecter of persons. In other words, God doesn't play favorites. And what God desires of you, He desires of someone else. What God hates in the life of someone else, He hates in the life of another person. What He loves in one person's life, He loves in another. And so concerning the things of Israel, what we can see is there is a principle here. What I want you to see is this. I want you to do a checkup today. I want to give you some actual characteristics of what it means to be asleep. And then you need to make an honest assessment by the Holy Ghost. Am I awake? Am I asleep? Or am I kind of like in a daze? Or my eyes peeled wide open, ready? Isaiah 29, verse 10. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. The nation of Israel, having received the word of God by way of the law and the prophets, had time and time again chosen to forsake the truth of God. When you have the word of God, you will be held accountable to the knowledge of your word, the word of the word of God. It's just that simple. And Israel was given the word of God through the law and through the prophets. Yet time and time again, they keep going back to sin. They keep going back to, as pastors have been teaching, these false gods. They keep going back to the gods of Egypt, tradition, and the gods of those people living around them, the Ammonites, Canaanites, Philistines, culture. So you've got three choices. You can either serve tradition. Well, we go to church because grandma went to church. Well, bless, bless God for grandma. But I bet grandma wasn't going to church because her grandmother went. She was going because she had a relationship with Jesus. And you can warm a pew 
But warming a pew is not the same as having a real fiery relationship with Jesus. Though if you have a real fiery relationship with Jesus, you're going to keep that pew warm. Amen? Have a relationship with Jesus. You can either have a, a, a religion of tradition. Well, this is what we do. Well, you know. And, and AJ speaks too long, and so at 12.05, I'm out of here, because that's just what we do. Or you can serve the gods of culture. Well, is it really? Let me tell you something. If this comes across your heart, your mind, it's a sign that you're sleeping. If pastor says something, as led by the Holy Spirit, or any other man or woman of God, or a brother or sister in Christ, and they speak the truth of God's word, and in your heart you get a check, say, mm, do they have to say that? They have to say that out loud. That may offend someone. Who would you rather offend, the world or God? We've crossed 8 billion people on the earth. I don't have that many tickets, but if I had to hand out tickets, I would say, grab a ticket and get in line, because I will not offend my Lord and my Master. I don't want to offend anybody, but if you're going to make me, cho make me choose, it won't be Jesus. And Satan would love to sow a little line to your heart and your mind. Pastor, got to bring that up again? Yes. Because the sins of this world will destroy you. And the first step to being comfortable with sin is not talking about it. Smith Wigglesworth, the apostle of faith, said, the sin that you are free of is the sin that you can openly repent of. See, when you repent of sin, you ain't afraid of it no more. And you don't have to hide it. And if you get your heart cleansed of the fear of man, you'll fear God and you'll be blessed. Because what happens is, in this situation, Israel has chosen again and again their sins. And God says, okay, you want your sin? Go ahead, have it. I'm telling you, y'all, it's one of the most scary, fearful things in all of the Bible that I've ever seen. And it's this, that if you want to choose deception, if you want to choose sin, if you want to backslide, if you want to turn from the things of God, God doesn't want you to, but He'll let you. Because you have a choice. It is one of the most fearful things I've ever seen. That God will actually say, I don't want you. I'm convicting your heart. The Holy Spirit's convicting you. My Word's instructing you. It's correcting you. Will you receive it? Okay. Have at it. And that's what happened to Israel here. And that's why the Lord's saying, I've poured out on you a deep sleep. Okay? You no longer will have a, the spirit, my spirit, so you'll have the spirit of this world, which is a spirit to slumber, a spirit to sleep. Literally, that means a spirit of stupor. Now, I don't use stupor a whole lot, not stupid, stupor. I don't use that word a whole lot, so I had to look it up. Stupor means literally to become so emotionally numb. And it's not like a derogatory term, like maybe something has happened in your life and you're like, I can't breathe. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's just like... Something happened. That feeling like, what now? I can't move. Can't take action. That's what this spirit of stupor is. That's what this deep sleep is. See, when, people, when Christians are sleeping, they ain't moving. There's no activity. They're lethargic. I don't know about you, but when I go to bed at night, I don't get much done other than sleep. It's amazing. You know, I go to sleep and I wake up and everything I had to do yesterday, I still have to do today. It'd be a beautiful thing if you could go to sleep and it would all get done. You know, elves jump out and magically do stuff or whatever. But it doesn't happen. The to-do list is still there. A church that is asleep is a church that's not doing what God's called them to do. Look at this. I will give you a spirit of these sleep and close your eyes. You may be asleep if you have no vision. If you don't have clear vision of God's truth in a very blurred, mingled, no white and black, just a lot of gray. Eh, well, you know, your truth, my truth, this, that. If you don't have a clear-cut vision of what God's truth is, a spirit of slumber may have taken over your heart and your mind. Then it says, I'm going to cover your heads, namely the seers. That's what they called the prophets. That's what they called the people that would talk to God and God would talk to them and then they would talk to the nation of Israel on behalf of God. If you go to, and I want you to, Romans chapter 11. Turn with me to Romans chapter 11, verse 8. Romans chapter 11, verse 8. 
The, the only time that we see this verse quoted is Romans 11, verse 8. And it's the only time where we see this Greek word used, that deep sleep. Romans chapter 11, verse 8, Paul is giving us instruction concerning our hearts and our minds and how the nation, the people of Israel, they had everything. The Messiah came to them and they couldn't even see Him. They had no vision. They heard His words, but they could not hear Him. Their ears were stopped up. They didn't, they didn't believe on Him because they were in a deep sleep. Think about that. The nation of Israel who had been steadily waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were unaware of the time and season in which they were living when Jesus walked the earth. They heard Jesus preach, but it didn't get in their hearts. They saw Jesus do miracles, but it didn't change their vision because they were in a deep sleep. Romans 11, verse 8, just as it is written, you just read it, Isaiah 29, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that should not see and ears that should not hear to this very day. It's one thing to audibly hear the word of God, but you understand really hearing God's word is getting it past these down in here. And how do I know I've heard the word of God? It changes what I do. It changes what I say. It changes how I live. Characteristics of a sleeper. Numb, uncaring, lethargic, literally a state of unconsciousness, like you're, like you're asleep in your bed. You don't know what's going on. You're, in, you, you know, you're just counting sheep, looking at the back of your eyelids. Some of us snoring. Laura says I snore, but I told her I've never heard myself snore. Snoring. Nothing's going on. No movement. Some of us move. Some, some of us, you might start off right here, and when you wake up the next day... You like this in the bed. But, you know, you're still in the bed. You know, you wasn't running around. Though, any sleepwalkers here? Anyone ever walked in their sleep? I knew one guy that did. He'd go to the fridge, make a sandwich in his sleep. That's what he said. I said, you, 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 you ain't telling Drew. You ain't doing that. But he would, he would. But think about that. Some Christians are walking in their sleep, going through motions. But, oh, did I say that? Yeah, you did. You did say that. Oh, you know, talking this or that or not having self-control. Well, I, didn't know I, I didn't even know I did that. Is it because there's a spirit of sleep and slumber on you? Because if we don't wake up, we'll be in a place where we have no vision. We'll have closed ears. And if you have closed ears, you can't have faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. But if the ears are closed up, you hear audibly. You understand you hear the word in these outward ears, these physical ears, but it never gets in your heart so you don't ever believe it and it never changes your life. Ephesians chapter 5 in Romans. Just fl flip over to Ephesians 5. I want you to see this. Characteristics of a sleeper. Ephesians 5, verse 8 for you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You know, when you're asleep, usually the lights are off. You know, when you go to bed at night, you turn the lights off. It's dark. A characteristic of a sleeper is someone that is in darkness and wants it to stay dark. I'm always very fearful. I don't ever want to be that Christian that is, you know, well, I ain't doing the sin. I'm just around it. I don't want to be comfortable around everyone else doing the sin. Well, you know, I go there and I hang out, but I don't do what they do. Well, I don't even want to be there. I don't even want to be a place where I'm comfortable around sin. If you're comfortable being in darkness, the spirit of sleep's come on you. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit's all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11, have no fellowship. If you enjoy fellowshipping with unfruitful works of darkness, you may have a spirit of sleep on you. But rather expose them. No, when you wake up, and, I, and I've had to learn to do this. When I wake up, I, I, I like getting up early. That's just my nature. I get up early. I enjoy that. I'm a morning person. How many morning people here today? A few of us. How many are like, no, 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 no. 
I don't mind getting up in the morning, but don't be crazy about it. You know, just let me get up when I'm going to get up. How many are just outright night owls? You do your best work at night, yeah? Daddy, I mean, you know, he don't start work until about 1 a.m. I've been asleep for four hours. You know, it's just unreal. But I've learned this. I'm a little bit earlier riser than Laura. So you know what I don't do at 5? Flip on the lights, jerk the blinds open. Hey, Laura, it's time to get up. Because I tell you what, it won't start off with a good morning kiss. Because when you're asleep, you want it to be dark. If, you're, if you don't mind being in the darkness, you understand we're, talking, we're, using nat, we're doing what Jesus did. We're using natural examples to explain spiritual realities. Just like physically, I like the lights to be off because it's easier to go to sleep in the dark. Spiritually, if I'm okay with sin not being called sin, well, that's just, your, that's just people's baggage. It's baggage that if you pack it, will send you to hell. We don't want to call sins. Oh, no. Da, 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 da. And you're okay with that. No, don't flip the lights on. Ooh, no, stay and keep it dark. Spirit of sleep's on you. And then engaging in fellowship with this darkness, spirit of sleep. Somebody say, wake up. Verse 14 of that same chapter, Ephesians 5. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. In Jesus' name, I see every one of you wide awake. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I see no sleepers in this house. In Jesus' If you agree with that, I want you to shout amen. amen. I see no one falling asleep in Jesus' name. For now is not the time or the season to fall asleep. You know what? You don't fall asleep while you're driving home. You don't do that. I've, I've done that a few times. And thank God. And Laura says, were you asleep? No, I just wanted to see if I could get that close to the end of the side of the road there. You know where all this thing? Don't fall asleep. Do not fall asleep. You don't have to turn back there by Isaiah 29, 14, that same chapter where God says, I'm going to send a deep sleep on you because you've chosen your sins. Verse 14, he said, now I'm going to do a marvelous work. And that marvelous work was Jesus Christ coming to the earth. That marvelous work that God said He would do in the earth is the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. What wakes people up, the world and the church, is that Jesus is Lord. He saves, sets free, sanctifies, and fills you with the power and the Holy Ghost so that you can live a life of the blood-bought victory that He purchased at Calvary. What does it mean to be wide awake? It means you get to work. Jesus said in John 9 verse 4, Right now I have to work because now is day and you work during the day because the night's coming and when the night comes no man will work. Romans 13 verse 11 says the same thing. And do this knowing the time, the time, the time. It is high time to wake up out of sleep for now your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. I had, you know... Of course, I've, I've mentioned that before. I do this, all this stuff digitally with TikTok and Instagram. And it's amazing. There is, a, there is a desire for people to know when the end of time is coming. I was telling Laura, I looked back. I, between two videos, about 200,000 views and thousands of likes and comments. And a lot of people calling me an idiot uh, on these two different videos. But they were both about end times. Some people... Want to know when the end of time is? Like you, like me, because we want to know how much time we have left to work. But then some people want to know when the end of time is so they can get right before it's all over. It's kind of like going to work. Jesus said, now's the day, you need to get to work. Some people go to work, fake working. Me and Scott was talking about this a few months ago. It's harder to go to work and fake your working than actually go to work and just work. But when you go to work and fake you're working, you're always looking out for the boss man. Because when he comes, oh, uh, yeah, I was working. Woo, yeah, we're getting stuff done over here. How many widgets have you produced? Three. You've been here for seven hours. Oh, but these are a good three that I've produced. Woo, come on. And he, I'm glad he's gone. Yeah. And you get home, honey, it was a tough day. Did you work? No, but I pretended, and that was twice as hard. Now's the time to work. 
Because the end's coming. Some of you all are thinking right now, he's on point one, he'll never make it. Point two. Point two. Go ahead, Noah, help me out. Point two. Somebody say watch. First Thessalonians 5, verse 6. I've got it here for you. I don't want to run your fingers out of energy. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch. Let us watch. Turn with me, speaking of Jesus, Matthew 26. Matthew 26. What does it mean to watch? Matthew 26, verse 36. Jesus is coming to the greatest test of His personal ministry. Jesus is Lord. He is God. Amen? But Philippians 2 tells us that when He came to this earth, He emptied Himself of who He was as God and became like a man. It's what we're celebrating in this Christmas season. That God in flesh came and dwelt among men. And He came, born of a virgin, as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, cloths in a manger. And he is about to experience the greatest test of his earthly ministry. Will he be obedient unto the death? You know, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it's quoted oftentimes, but many Christians don't say the last part of this verse. I'm going to say it, and you're going to know it. And Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this, And we overcome him, Satan... By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we love not our life unto the death. Man, we can get on with, I've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Woo, come on, glory! But do you love your life not unto death? Will you count the cost? Because that's what Jesus did. And so before he goes and pays the highest price ever, he decides, now is not the time to sleep, though it's nighttime. When men and women go to sleep, now is the time to pray. Verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, John, James. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Verse 38, And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to the death. Stay here and watch. Someone say, Watch. Watch with me. He went a little farther and he fell on his face. And he prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That is a prayer of consecration. You don't pray that prayer for every single thing in the world. If the word of God plainly states the promise of God, then you pray the promise of God. But in matters of consecration, in matters of dedication, in matters of, Lord, I don't know what to do, but if you'll tell me, I'll do it. That's when you pray this prayer. Lord, not my will, but your will. Verse 40, And when he came back to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Verse 41, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing. Here it is. Here is the key to living the overcoming, Spirit-filled, Spirit-controlled, as R.A. Torrey would say, Spirit-controlled life. Here's the key. Knowing that the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, you don't do just what your body says. I want to do this. Get over it. The Spirit, my Spirit, in line with the Word of God, we're going to do this, body, you can be quiet and follow in line. Soul, you can be quiet and fall in line because we're going to do what God wants us to do. See, it wasn't odd that the disciples were asleep because it was nighttime. It was strange to Jesus that the disciples had fallen asleep because of the night in which they found themselves that a test was coming. Because Jesus wasn't the only one to be tested. Every single disciple was going to be be tested. And Jesus said, don't you understand, right now you're sleeping and you should be praying. And if you'll watch and pray, you won't fall to the temptation which your spirit resists but your flesh wants. If you'll pray when others are sleeping, you can sleep when others begin to emergency pray. That's pretty good. I'm going to say that again. If you're praying when other people are sleeping, you can sleep when other people come. We got to pray. We got to pray. I had a friend, precious friend. You better pray hard for me, brother. 
I said, I'm going to pray like I always pray. I don't even know what that means to pray hard. You want me to spit in your face when I pray? You better pray hard. You know, you want me to hock a loogie when I'm doing it? Praise Jesus. You know, you want me to run and slam into the wall? What do you mean pray hard? I'm going to pray the word of God and I'm going to believe it and have faith and rejoice and know that God has come to my deliverance and he's going to bring to pass his promises. Jesus knew how to watch because he knew what time it was. He knew that this was the last night before the test came. There are some times where you need to forego sleeping. Now I'm talking in literal language. Your marriage is worth it. The lives of your, the eternal lives of your children is worth it. Your family being in heaven is worth it. Your health and your body is worth it. Your peace is worth it. There may be some time where you say, you know what, I'm just not going to sleep right now. Body wants to. I'm tired. Going to have to get up and go to work just like I do every day because I'm a faithful man. I'm a faithful woman. I honor God. But right now, we're just going to be a little red-eyed. We're going to be a little weary physically, but we're going to pray. Because now it's time to pray. Because look, after this night, there was no time left to pray. When every single one of those disciples, oh, we're going to be with you till the death, Peter, right? I won't let nobody touch you, Jesus. All these suckers, the other 11 disciples, they're going to run away, but I'll be standing. Peter runs and cusses them out while he's running. Because he was sleeping when he was supposed to be watching. He was sleeping when he should have been praying. What do you need to watch for? Temptation. Watch and pray, Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Your prayer, your prayer, the degree that you enter into your prayer life. A little bit of prayer, a little bit of strength. Some prayer, some strength. Much prayer, much strength. It's just that simple. It's too simple. It's so simple that people disregard it. But many Christians have fallen into temptation, which the Bible tells us you have enough strength by the Spirit of God to overcome every temptation. Meaning that when we fall to temptation, it wasn't because it's God's fault. It's because I was sleeping instead of watching and praying. 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What do you need to watch for? You need to watch for Satan's deceptions, his trickery, his schemes, because he's looking. You know why you need to stay awake? Because the devil don't sleep. You could take a nap if Satan was going to take a nap, but he ain't taking a nap. You could afford not to watch if Satan wasn't on the prowl. But he is. So what are we going to do? Number three, be sober. Be sober. Someone say, sober up. Be sober. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 6. There it is on the slide. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. Let me read this to you. Luke 21, verse 34. These are the words of Jesus. He says this, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down by carousing and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come on as a snare as all those who dwell in the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray, always that you may be counted worthy to escape all the things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Characteristics of a drunkard. If you're spiritually drunk, you're dull. You like, just like physical drunkenness. Won't take a show of hands on that one. Amen. But just like physical drunkenness, your sense is dull and you make bad decisions. You know, some of you, some of you can testify. You start drinking and everyone gets prettier. Everybody gets prettier when you start drinking. Maybe. Or everybody becomes an enemy. Some people get mad when they get drunk. Some people become everybody's best friend when they're drunk. In other words, you're unaware of what's going on. You make bad decisions when you're intoxicated. 
Psalms 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Being spiritually drunk with the deceptions of this age will make you a mockery. It will manipulate your emotions. Isaiah 28, 7, But they also who have erred through wine and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet, even some people called to ministry, have erred through intoxicating drink. They're swallowed up by wine, and they're out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err. They make bad decisions in their vision, and they stumble in judgment. You know, in middle school, we had a little uh, thing that was in gym class uh, when they were teaching about, you know, not... Uh, abusing alcohol and drugs like the D.A.R.E. program. You all remember that? I don't know if they still do that nowadays. But the, the D.A.R.E. program and staying away from drugs and drinking. And so one day, it was the funnest day of the class. They had a golf cart, and you put on the drunk goggles. Anyone ever did that? And it blurs your vision, and then you have to drive through the cones. Problem is, now I still drive like that, and I don't have the goggles on. You know. Because when you're spiritually intoxicated, you're unstable in all your ways. You make bad judgment and your vision is blurred. You don't see things the way you should see them because you're drunk on deception. But in Jesus' name, I see everyone sober in this house. Amen? Whoever just tuned in for that, they're thinking, my gosh, this is a big old AA meeting happening in church today on a Sunday morning? I see you sober in Jesus' name. I see you vigilant in Jesus' name. I see you with your eyes wide open. Sober, not intoxicated with the lies and the deceits of this world. Last point. I told you I'd do it. Some of y'all was making a bet he'll never make it. You're going to have to pay up now. Number four, do it for me, Noah. Armor up. Someone say armor up. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8. We read it, but it says, Putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Romans 13, 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, drunkenness, lewdness, lust, strife, or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision, no exception, no allotment for the flesh or to fulfill its lusts. I want you to finish with me at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7 this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. Oh, most of y'all probably could say this by memory, but it's the verse after it that I really want you to see. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. It's one of those verses we call a runner. You think, what is a runner? It's the one where you read it, it makes you want to run and jump up and shout and give God the glory. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. If you know it, read it with me. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have the blood-bought victory. You have the armor of God. The armor of light is in your arsenal. You have the weapons of your warfare, which are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, which are the deceptions and lies and deceits of Satan. You have the word of God. The Spirit of the living God has taken up residency in you. It went from being His presence and His power in a place called Jerusalem, the temple, to now I will fill everyone who calls upon my name. What a privilege to carry the power of God. What a privilege to carry the presence of God. But it's not just so you can have armor. You don't just walk around just to have armor for the sake of having armor. I'm shining up my armor. Ooh, I'm sharpening this sword. Do you ever swing that sword, friend? No, I just sharpen it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I just sharpen it. Why do you have the armor of God? Why do you have the sword of the Spirit? Why do you have the Word of God? Why have you been called to go into a deep life of prayer? We're going to talk about more of that coming up in the new year. I've got something very special for you that's going to change your heart and your mind and concerning the things of prayer like never before. But verse 58, why do you have the victory? Why did Jesus purchase the victory? Verse 58, therefore, because you have this victory, my beloved, be steadfast. You've got the victory 
so that you will not be shaken by the lies and deceits of this world. You have the victory because you and I ain't going nowhere. They can push, pull, hit, scream, get mad, I'll still be here. Had someone tell me that. You still around doing all this, talking about ministry? I said, I sure am, and when you're gone, I'll still be here. Sometimes I speak before I think. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But that time, I thought, that felt pretty good. I'm still looking to see where smart aleck is the tenth gift of the Spirit, but it ain't. I ain't found it yet. But if it ever is, man, I've got a load of it. Be steadfast. You've got armor so that you won't be moved. Steadfast, immovable. Now, look, we're not just being planted. I won't move. You can't move because the purpose of not being moved is so that you don't step back. The Bible calls it backsliding. The purpose of being immovable is so that you don't go backwards. The purpose also of being immovable is so that you can go forward. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What you're doing for Jesus is not vanity. It's not worthless. The life that you're living, it means something to God. The Word of God being planted in your... When you open up your Bible and read it tomorrow, God sees you doing that. When you commit yourself to pray, God's not ignorant. He knows that you made a choice. Instead of doing something else, now I'm going to pray. I'm going to show that I have my trust in God because I'm going to study His Word and not the news headlines. I'm going to study His Word and not the opinions of man. Instead of wasting my time or doing something else that's not even sinful, it's just whatever, instead of that, I'm going to pray. The Lord notices that. He sees you doing it. And He says, that's somebody that's armored up. That's someone I can task with building my kingdom. That's someone who's not asleep. That's someone who is watching. That's someone who's not become intoxicated with the lies of this world. That's someone who's ready to fight. Who's ready to fight? Who's ready to fight in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name, what we're going to do, I want you to come forward. We're going we're to have a time of prayer. I want you to come forward to the altar. And I want us as a church to spend the next few minutes in prayer. It's one thing to understand and know and have instruction. But until you do something with what you know, there is no power. So as you come forward, come on forward, church family. And they're going to have some music playing because I don't want you to think, you know, well, I can't pray because someone beside me might hear something. No, no, no. We're a church family. We're people of God. And as you're coming forward, just go ahead and get your heart and your mind in a spirit of prayer. As you're walking down, you don't even have to wait to get to the altar. As you're coming to the altar, just begin and get in a spirit of prayer and just worship the Lord. Father God, we come before you, Lord. Lord, we give you glory. Lord, we worship you, Lord. Truly, there is no one like you, Lord. God. You are the God of our salvation. You are our Lord and our Master. How we love You, Lord God. How we thank You, Lord God. You are the one who leads and guides us. You order our steps, Lord God. And when You order our steps, O God, we will not stumble and fall, Lord. We commit ourselves, our marriages, our children, our family, our grandchildren, our parents, those that we love that are part of our family, we commit them to You and Your work and Your hands, O God, in heaven. You are the God of heaven and you rule and reign over this planet that we call earth, Lord God. Rule and reign and have your way in us, Lord, as a people, as a church, Lord God. We come holy before you, Lord God, spirit, soul, and body. We surrender ourselves unto you, Lord. Have your way in us. Let every word that you speak to us, let it cut deep down into our heart. Lay our hearts open and be revealed before you, Lord. If there's anything in us, Lord, that's not like you, we have no desire of it, Lord God. Let us be free from it, Lord. You, the master husbandman, the gardener of the true vine, cut away any deadness in these branches that are called us Christians, Lord God. If there be any dead wood in this branch, Lord God, lop it off, Lord God. We want only living wood that bears forth precious fruit, God. Lord, we lift up right now, in Jesus' name, ourselves before You, Lord God. We lift ourselves up before You, Lord, with sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. Oh, You sound good as You lift up voices of prayer to the living God. He hears You. He's listening to You. 
The moment you begin to pray and say out loud things of God and pray to Him with faith, His ear turned towards you. The, the eyes of the Lord are looking squarely on you. It is an awesome and a fearful thing to have the privilege of prayer. Creator of heaven and earth, He hears your voice right now. He hears your petitions and your cries, your praise and your thanksgiving. He's receiving them right now. He's honored by them that you have turned from every other thought and thing you have to do today and you've turned your heart and your mind towards Him. He's glad. He's happy. He's smiling because you're praying. He's joyful because you're talking to Him. He's been waiting for this. The King of kings and Lord of lords has desired to spend time with you and we call that prayer. He loves this. He's, he's, enjoying your, he's enjoying hearing your prayers of faith. Your petitions. He wants to labor with you. He wants you to labor with Him. Being a co-laborer with God Almighty. He has things He wants to do. And He wants to tell you those secret things. He's not going to tell them to anyone. He wants to tell them to you so that you can bring them out in the earth by faith, by prayer. He wants to do work with you. He wants His will to fill your life. His goodness, His mercy to fill your life. How many wants His will and His goodness to fill your life in Jesus' name? Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I thank You for who You are. My God, my Lord, my Savior, my Master. I yield to You all that I am. Every bit of me, I give You my heart, my mind, my hands, my feet, my mouth. Every bit of me. Command me, Lord. I want to be a good soldier. I want to be a good soldier of the kingdom of heaven. I will not fear because I'm full of faith. I'll go forth in the victory. Lord, let there be no sleepiness in my spirit. Wake me up if I slumber. Lord, show me, teach me how to watch, to see the trickery, the schemes of Satan. Lord, I commit to be sober, never intoxicated with the lies and deceits of this world. For You've given me Your armor to do Your battle by Your victory and Your power. This I am thankful for. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, lift up a hand clap of praise. Worship God for a good ten seconds. We give You glory, God. We magnify Your name. In Jesus' holy name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus. I see You entering in. I see You as the times and seasons of this as the world enters into seasons and times of darkness, I see you boldly stepping into seasons of light and greater light. You will not fear or fret, for you have my life and my power. I will instruct you and I will order your steps and my steps are sure and do not stumble for they are pathways in the light. Do not be deceived. I am quickly coming and you will be found faithful as your heart is committed to me. Thus saith the Lord God Almighty in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, You are too good to us, Lord. You are so merciful to us, God. There's no one that's treated us like You have, oh God in heaven. To speak to men, to speak to women, that You would care, Lord. Who are we that You are mindful of us, God? How we thank You, Lord. We will not turn. We will not bend. We will not break. We will be steadfast. 
we will lead ourselves and our families into the things of God in your righteousness. Oh, holy God, you are a holy God. In Jesus' name. Well, if you've been blessed, say amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.